Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Shulok. Shulisten, the podcast taking a pop at culture. Shulok, Shulisten. 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 Oh, so good, Ben. So exciting. Look, we don't need... Sure, look, Ben, we don't need to take a pop at culture this week because pop culture is taking a pop at itself and we're going to be looking at the repercussions of it uh, by looking at the Screen Actors Guild strike. But not only that, we've also pre-recorded a section where we looked at the Wonka trailer. I don't remember what we said. And there have been trailers for The Pod Generation and The Retirement Plan and Ahsoka. And, and, not only all of that stuff, but also, both of us, you and I and our friends, have seen Mission Impossible 7, Deep Reckoning. And uh, we're going to have a look at it. (laughs) Deep Reckoning. That is the Pornhub parody of Mission Impossible 7, Dead Reckoning. Um, But, (laughs) yes. Uh, And, Michael, sure, listen, if that wasn't enough... Yes, and it actually it is. is. We're we're it is. full this week. Grand. We're also going to be taking a look at Barbie, a cultural history, because this weekend, Michael is Barbenheimer. Yay! Yay! What a time now, ben, to be alive! Yes, we've just been talking about: Are we going to do a big Barbenheimer? Are we going to go and see both? And you said you probably don't have the stamina. I don't have the stamina. I don't have the minerals, Michael, as they'd say over there <laughs> in old London town. I ain't got the minerals. Yeah, got the minerals in them, Ben. <laughs> yeah. You know who else doesn't have the minerals in them? <laughs> Go on. The cowardly actors of the Screen Actors Guild. <laughs> Michael's back with his favourite bit, corporate bootlicker. Um... Ah, those brave capitalists <laughs> up in their ivory towers, Benjamin, taking the risks that you and I are too afraid to take, are being <laughs> foiled again by greedy actors. So, Michael, 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 yeah. Michael, Michael. That's my hot take. What what a hot take it is, Michael. So hot, it's cold. Um, come here to me. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is pretty interesting because this affects everything we do, Michael. You and I might have to sit down after this and have an ethical discussion ourselves. We won't, Ben. This is great because we can now keep producing content because they rejected our membership to the Screen Actors Guild, which is why I'm so bitter. And Mm. now people aren't going to have real entertainment to watch, so they're going to have to listen to more podcasts. I know. Podcasts are on the up, ladies and gentlemen. Scabs ahoy. Uh, Come here to me. SAG this week, the Screen Actors Guild, have joined the Writers Guild of America, WGA, in strike action against the major big studios. All over the United States. Michael, this is a very interesting development and it really does put a shank on quite a few things for the Hollywood execs. A real Kai Bosch, Benjamin. If you had a question about what I just said, Michael, what would it be? What's a shanks? Uh, It's a bad L time. It's a bad situation. A Kai Bosch, if you will. Well, Ben... What? Here's a question that I have, and I don't know, are we doing a kind of cash for questions sort of thing here? But here's a question that I have. What can they not do? Uh, The SAG lads. Yeah. Yeah, so the SAG lads have now received quite a set of limitations on what they can do that really affects one Tom Cruise's plans to save cinema 
and mm. the Barbenheimer weekend. So Uh-oh. there's there's quite a few things. You'll notice, first of all, Michael, that the premiere for Oppenheimer was moved up rapidly, or you might not notice that if you're not into that kind of thing. And that is because as soon as strike action was signed off on by SAG, that means that any member of SAG yeah. must adhere to those rules in order to get work in the future. They cannot so breach any- this. Any working actor except the cast of Power Rangers. Except the cast of Power Rangers who are famously non-union actors. Scabs. Uh, Yeah, the only reason they don't get work is because nobody likes them. Mm. And some of them are dead. And some of them are dead. Is that culturally insensitive? Probably. Anyway, come here to me, Michael. What happened was they're gone on strike, which means no premieres, no promotion, no working with studios, no... uh, promoting material that they're in uh, anything like that so that's that's the real kicker for a lot of the big studios because whether or not you like it Michael we live in the content era the micro content era and promotion is nine tenths the law in how we kind of get a film out there Ben it's further than that they can't do voice acting nope no voice acting they can't do live appearances none they can't Ben is Comic Con going to go ahead this is a great fucking question. Can they do Comic-Cons? They're not allowed to do international appearances. It's in the contract. So even if they're not working, even if they're working outside of the United States, it's not allowed. Uh, oh. So that is interesting, Michael. It's it's Benjamin, are things like um, live streams and actual plays of, say, D&D going to be affected? Yep, they are absolutely not allowed to do that. This is mad. This is gas. There's not going to be any entertainment. So the the other thing that comes with that, Michael, is what we're seeing is because the influencer sphere, as it were, Mm. is quite a is quite a new development. There are a lot of influencers who seem to think they are exempt from the rules of SAG, which technically on a technical level, Michael, is true. There's an interesting there are lines being drawn. Let's put it that way, because a lot of influencers depend on the big studios, Michael to get them invitations to movie premieres or promotional events where they can then make content, generate that, and promote the movies in turn. Do you understand? But, Ben, I do understand, but does does that not not matter? I thought what matters was if you're a member of SAG or not. So, in what sense? Sorry, what do you mean? So, like, you could argue that we are, on a very small scale, social media pop culture influencers. Absolutely. But this has no effect on us whatsoever. Now, so this, so, is, this is where it gets interesting. Go on. So, there's a lot of solidarity striking happening within the influencer sphere. So, oh, fuck that though. Who cares? That's just uh, well, trying to take down the brave capitalists of, of big yeah. studios. So, there's quite a few reasons that that's important, Michael. Number one, because it doesn't undermine the efforts of all the writers and actors whose content we actually enjoy. But Benjamin, I want to undermine them. I know, because you're... They're, they're taking money out of the pockets of the brave executives, Ben. So it's, They're it's, taking up to 0.1% of the money out of the pockets of those brave executives. So this is the so other I thing. So I do not stand with those greedy actors. So this is the other thing. Uh, looking at the joint numbers, Michael, for what the Screen Actors Guild and what the WGA is actually asking for, it's actually, in fairness, for a multi-billion dollar industry, a drop in the ocean. Have you seen the mm. figures for the, the SAG strike and what it'll yes. cost Hollywood? So it's 420 yes. million a, a year across the board. Okay. A year. All studios. Okay. In addition. Now, compared to what they generate, Michael, not actually that much. 
No, fuck all. But it's not even it's not even that. It's the the percentage of that as a salary of even one Bob Iger. Oh, that's Bob less Iger. than that's less than four percent of Bob Iger's salary, of which he has earned every cent. Every taking those hard risks, earned capitalist cent, Michael. So, but Ben, yeah, but they're just CEOs as well. They're not even the capitalists who own the studios. Absolutely so, not. Uh, I don't even believe necessarily in taking it out on them. Sure, they are disproportionate beneficiaries of it. But the people behind them are giving Bob Iger that salary. There's someone holding Bob Iger's purse strings and they're earning a lot more. Well, Michael, I tell you who disagree with you vehemently. Go on. <laughs> Ron Perlman. Uh, oh, Ron Perlman. So there's there's been a few, as I said, lines are being drawn across the board here, Michael. There's been one major influencer who I think has really fallen from grace as a result of this. Have you heard of Straw Hat Goofy? Nope. On TikTok. Very, very influential movie guy on TikTok, but has recently come under a lot of fire for being a bit of a corporate chill, Michael. He'll just do whatever studios ask him to do because he really, really wants to be in that circle of people, including, Michael, going on to his... Uh, going on to his TikTok channel and pretty much spreading misinformation about what the Screen Actors Guild is looking for. Um, And he's been called out on this by several different sources uh, and has really got a bit of a a public backlash going against him. But that's not really relevant to what we're talking about here, Michael. What yeah, we would have done that. Uh, well, we would have if we were ever asked, Michael. But sadly, yeah. we've never even been asked to shill. Uh, maybe they'll well, invite us shilled. now, Michael. Maybe they'll invite us now with the lines being drawn. Mm. Maybe now we can kind of get in that, get our foot in that golden door, as as it were. Get in that shill door. Yeah, that'd be great. But uh, Ron Perlman punches right back out, Michael. So there's there's been a few nasty things recorded uh, as being said by certain executives. One of the things that was said was, oh, well, writers will go back to writing anyway because they love to do it. So that's fine. Mm. And yeah. then one Disney executive is reported as saying, oh, well, just wait until their mortgage is due and we can wait them out on that. Yeah, they can. So they can, but um, Ron Perlman issued a video, Michael, in, in typically gravelly Ron Perlman tones. Um, yes. And he said, you know, there's more than one way to lose a house. Uh, and he went on a little diatribe on this video, but he basically said, tell you what, you're going to wait us out on our mortgages. We're going to burn your fucking house down. <laughs> oh, good man, now, Ron Perlman, you absolute fucking lunatic. Now, that is not, Michael, an ounce of exaggeration. He says, we know who you are, motherfucker. We'll see how happy you are when your house gets burnt down. Oh, Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. He's got teeth. He's got teeth. Big pearly teeth. That's why they call him Big the Pearl Man. Big pearly enormous teeth. Yeah. They call him the Pearl Man. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like so he just came out. So this is, this is a, a big moment, Michael. But the last time we had a writer strike, because we've covered this before on the podcast, SAG didn't join in. No. So this is Very new. Different. The last time they went on strike was in the 80s, I believe. Sag. Um, the last time they both went on strike was 50 years ago or 60 years it was ago. In the, it was very in, yeah, rare. It was very, it's very rare for them to join each other. But the, the primary sticking point was, Michael, they went to a big meeting where uh, representatives of the executives and the, the big companies uh, came to them with a mind-blowing new proposal. And the new proposal was, what we're going to do is we're going to take background actors, we're going to pay them for a day's work, we're going to scan and digitize their faces and then use them in perpetuity. They're going to do a big Joan is awful. Yeah, a big Joan is awful. To which the Screen Actors Guild said, why the fuck did you think we'd like this idea? Yeah, have you not seen the show Joan is awful? (laughs) And then went on strike 
immediately. They were just like, yeah. nah, I'm done. Gas. Um, so, I mean, Michael, we are about to be in a drought. No, we're not. We're going to be all right. We're not going to see the real effects of this until three or maybe three or four months. I would say next year. Next year is going to be shite. This year will be fine. Because this year's stuff is made and finished. Yeah. We've got real bangers like Marvel's Secret Invasion, which I forgot to watch, and the upcoming reimagining of the Willy Wonka origin story. Yeah, that's a gem. I mean, that's sure to rock a few cultural touchstones, you know. Now, Ben, speaking of, you were saying to me the other day that you loved Willy's <laughs> I new <have> no. trailer. <laughs> I do. Yes. Yes, I was wondering where you were going to go. Willy Wonka's new trailer. That's what you were saying. (laughs) I was wondering where you were going with that. Uh, Michael, 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 Michael. Now, what is it? Michael, do you know what what I've always thought about the works of esteemed Welsh writer Roald Dahl? What you were saying, you think that he might have been a bit of an anti-Semite. Yeah, he probably wasn't that into Jews yet. That's probably probably on the money, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not not the biggest fan. Uh, Also, I was saying, do you know the way that there are whimsical stories written exclusively for children and really not meant to have any great sense attached to them other than fun and joy? What's going on? Who is Matilda anyway? Where did she get those magical powers? Yeah, that's what I've always been lacking from those stories of pure fun and whimsy, Michael. I want a scientific background. I want a lore. I want a deep dive on them, damn it. I want to know the history of the the race of giants of which the big friendly one is a member. Exactly. Why could the giraffe, the Pelly, and himself talk? What was going on there, Michael? Were they genetic experiments hoisted upon us yeah. by the government? Exactly, Benjamin. I don't know. I have no interest in finding out what caused that giant peach to be so big. What I'd like to know is how did James's parents meet? That's what I wanted to know, Michael. I wanted a deep dive on the two lovers and their tragic end. Nothing to do with the peach. Fuck that. Yeah. I'd love to see the elaborate backstory on those bits of twig that are in the twit's hair. It's very important, Michael. I want to know the stool that got shortened over time. Who made it? Was it a craftsman? What was going on with that stool? Well, well, the only way we'd know is if Hollywood made a massive multi-million dollar budget film about it. Well, Michael, this week we got the answer to that because we just got a trailer for Wonka. Willy's Wonka World. Benjamin, yeah. now, shut yeah. up for a second because I saw this 15 years ago and it was Johnny Depp. Yeah, 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 yeah. But when it was Johnny Depp, it was weird and mean. But now it seems lovely. Now it seems lovely, Michael. So we got a trailer for Wonka starring Timothy Chalamet. Hollywood darling Timothy Chalamet. As another kind of prince tackling a a tough socioeconomic climate on a planet far, far away known as London. Oh, very good, because he's in June as well. Ben. Yeah. Now he's in this. And I have to say, this isn't a negative podcast. No. It's not. We it's really, not. It's not. We really try. It's just Hollywood yeah. keeps fucking us. But, I mean, this isn't overall going to be a negative opinion of this trailer, I don't think. I don't think so. But he's, he just looks rubbish. <laughs> he's just r- rubbish in it. It's a little bit up. Or is it a little bit uh, down? Oh, no. It's the other way around. Shut up, Timothy Chalamet. So, you got to put some energy into that delivery. I, I think, I think... Timothy Chalamet is in a different film from everybody else in that trailer. 
Yes, he's in June, for example. He's in June. So, Michael, here's the interesting thing, right? I, oh, this, is, this is going to come across as anti-American, but most of the things that I say do. Yes, go on. I think somebody said to him, oh, we're going to put you in a whimsical origin story for beloved childhood character Willy Wonka. And he went, oh, mm. like Broadway. And they were like, no, 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 no. We've gotten the director from Paddington, the beloved live action Paddington films, Paddington 1 and Paddington yes. 2, that get rave reviews as children films. And they do kind of a whimsical London with a heart of gold, but a very solid, realistic acting performance. And he said, oh, like Broadway. And they were like, no, Timothy, Jesus Christ. Um, and it's too late and he signed the ink. So we're getting a really weird performance. <laughs> nope. Reverse that. And it's just like, oh no, what are you doing, Timothy? Oh, what's he doing? <laughs> Timothy, what are you doing? He said, uh, he got on set and said, I'm going to do this in the style of Gene Simmons. And someone said, do you mean Gene Wilder? And he went, no, I mean Gene Simmons. <laughs> He's not much of an actor, though, Timothy Chalamet. He said, it doesn't matter, I've committed to it now. It's a pinky promise, the most solemn promise of all. And... It- and people went, oh, he's just watched wrestling. He's watched WWE wrestling and deliveries. And he's gone, oh, he's, he's fucking gas. He's doing a soft, randy, macho man savage. <laughs> it's it's very strange. It's a very strange performance and delivery. And it's one of the very few things that made me go, hmm, at least Johnny Depp was doing a thing. <laughs> it wasn't a good thing, but it was a thing. No, it was a bad thing. <laughs> it shouldn't have been done. But at least it was a thing. One of my one of my favourite things about this trailer, Michael, is apparently there's a chocolate underworld. <laughs> chocolate underworld of chocolate crime. And what's pissed me off most about that, Michael, is it's called the Chocolate Cartel. Who in God's good green earth read that script and didn't say Coco Cartel? Call it the no, co- Chocolate Cartel. Call it the Coco Cartel. It makes more sense. No, no. It sounds better. It feels better. The Chocolate Cartel has no vum. Vavavum. Don't confuse. Don't confuse the children, Ben. It's the Chocolate <laughs> Cartel and it's Matt Lucas. So Matt Lucas is one part of the Chocolate Cartel. Matthew Bainton seems to be another part of the Chocolate car- uh, Cartel. Matthew Bainton being famous off the Horrible Histories and BBC's Ghosts, Michael. A very popular young man in his own right. Mm, uh, it's going to be a baddie in this. And Patterson Joseph is also going to be a baddie in this by the looks of things. So the the people behind Paddington are calling in their old cast, Michael. They're they're getting them all together. Very, very much so. If anyone was in Paddington, I think they're required to be in this. It even has the same lovely Paddington mum. It does. Sally Hawkins is there and she's Irish. Is she? I got a distinct brogue off it. I heard the word. Ooh, bloody nose. I heard the word dream. Everything started with a dream, so you hold on to yours. And I swear to God, if Timothy Chalamet is American with an Irish mother for no fucking reason, Michael. For no fucking yes, reason. The classic Wonkas. The classic Willie O'Wonka Willie. from uh, down from Killarney Way. <laughs> He's a Willie of the O'Wonka family. Ben, yeah. this is weird. This is weird that this exists because... The whole point of Willy Wonka is he's a little bit sinister and a little bit spooky and a little bit creepy. Not he's the most sincere and honest and lovable man who you've ever met. The the, the original Willy Wonka is very uh, eat the rich. He's like, these are spoiled children. Kill them. Eat them. Feast upon them. And it, it's, it's a big vibe. Like Gene Wilder was maniacal. And I think Johnny Depp was trying to challenge it's weird that we have like a cinematic history of Willy Wonka, Willy Wonka that we can draw on but we do <laughs> yeah yeah very much so it's a gas well well 
what's his face? Johnny Depp was doing Michael Jackson. Johnny Depp was trial. It was um, channeling that kind of creepy nineties Michael Jackson friends with kids vibe. Yeah, he was. And again, <laughs> again, Ben. He, at least he did a thing. It was the wrong thing, <laughs> but he did it. You know, he he did a thing. It was bad. It was a bad thing, but he did it. And um, he didn't do that other thing that he was accused of, apparently. But look, that's neither here nor there. That's we not can't talk about talk that about. anymore, Michael. That's not allowed. No. <laughs> that's not that's not for us to discuss now. Ben, what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, the cast. I'll tell you what, though. You know who's going through their I'll do anything for a laugh phase? Yeah, go on. <laughs> Huge. What's his name? <laughs> Hugh Grant. <laughs> Huge grant. Best best part of the trailer by a country mile was mildly indignant. Hugh Grant of Balumpa. My favourite thing. The thing that will actually get me into the cinema is Umpalumpa Hugh Grant. Ben, they've gone just 100% with the design from the 70s film. Yeah, and that's what they should have done. That's a smart decision. I stand by it. Oh, okay. I don't know if you made the decision to stand by it. But, Ben. Yes. You were saying that this is great. Yeah. Because at least it's not exploiting little people anymore. No, they're just taking jobs away from working little people (laughs) and giving them to Hugh Grant. But it's a big blow for little people representation at the same time. I'm fairly certain little people... Well, I don't know. I'm not a little person, so I can't actually say this. But I'm fairly certain they'd be all right with being distanced from Oompa Loompas. Do you reckon? I don't know, Michael. We'll have to find a little person and ask them. Um, I don't know. We could ask it. We could ask Irish actors who played leprechauns in the forties and see what they think about it now. But <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's an odd choice, isn't it? It's. It's certainly a choice. It's. It's just going to be Hugh Grant in his catty Fay era. Like Hugh Grant plays this character again and again now, where he's just like, "I'll have you know, I'm Hugh Grant." Fuck you. <laughs> but without saying, fuck you. And it's... Yeah, you can't say that. Yeah, you can, children's You can't say that. But it is essentially Hugh Grant just being a cheeky little chappy. And... He's, I'm a little cheeky chappy and I'm stuck in this glass jar. Not necessarily cheeky, so much as a bit of a prick. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. Can't wait for it. Um, can't wait one of my favourite things is and the best performance from Timothy Chalamet in the entire trailer Michael is where he goes oh I, I don't think I want to hear that I don't and you guys just like too late I've started dancing now you can't I'm not going to stop and I was just like alright I'm, I'm slightly back in now Michael through all of this I think it's very yes. important to note that the makers of Paddington made a bloody good film um, two Actually, Paddington one and two are very good. Um, yeah, and I think it's also worth noting that this probably isn't for two white men in their middle age making a podcast. It might be because it's being released on December fifteenth, being made for children. I don't know. Are you suggesting? Are you suggesting that this is a this is a children's film <laughs> and we should look at it as such? How very dare you, Ben? That doesn't generate content. I know. We need to make content. I know. We're here for content. God damn it. The the Paddington movies are both very good, and neither of the Paddington movies were movies that excited me. I didn't particularly want to see them. I almost begrudgingly watched both of them. Yes. And after both of them, I went, that was great. Yeah, Paddington 2 is a masterpiece of cinema. That was great. That was a great fun time. And this will probably be a great fun time. It's just a great fun time with a really weird premise. Bizarre. 
bizarre. Yeah, because this isn't the origin story of Willy Wonka. No, I don't know what it is. It, e- it even seems to be set in the wrong time period to be an origin story for Willy Wonka. Quasi-Victorian time period, Michael? Isn't it? Y- yeah. But it's a fantastical London. I mean, one of the one of the things that we could say, and one of the things that is very important in the original Willy Wonka or Charlie and the Chocolate st- uh, sorry, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory film is the Charlie's family are dirt poor. Um they come from like rough socioeconomic conditions and the thing that makes Willy Wonka's chocolate factory unique is that it's special and magical and completely out of the ordinary whereas this London looks like it's all a bit out of the ordinary and yeah. magical. <laughs> Everything's magical and wonderful. So Willy Wonka, by comparison, just seems like a bit odd and underplayed and normal. Yeah. And I think I think that's probably one of the things that has gone against it. It has a little bit of, like, there's a, there's a little bit of, like, oh, no, no singing, you know, no fun here. We can't, no daydreaming. <laughs> and that's the London that we're dealing with. But that's, it's still a very high-end London. There's flamingos at one point, Michael, flying through it's London. Flamingos, yeah. Yeah, very multicultural London. Very, very multicultural. modern, multicultural. Ben, where is he getting those magic floating suites from? In the in the chocolate factory, he has a whole team of people researching and you know machines and uh, th- there's no magic in Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory. It's all kind of pseudoscience or yeah. you know food science, just weird food science. Yeah. But in this, it appears to be magic. Uh, yeah, I think he's just figured out magic, hasn't he? He's just like, oh, I'll do a, just, do a just bit of magic. Some, some sort of wizard <laughs> based on the, the actor Gene Simmons. Uh, yes, Gene Simmons from Kiss. Yeah, that's who I was going for. Anyway, Ben, sure, look, we'll probably go and see it. Uh, it's coming out for Christmas, Michael. We'll go see it as a Christmas treat. Little Christmas treat. We'll get a little box of popcorn and a little box of sweeties and we'll go and see uh, Willy Wonka. That'll be lovely. Let's do that. Now, Benjamin, speaking of me forgetting to watch Secret Invasion. Yeah. Amelia Clark's surprisingly busy, isn't she? Amelia Clark's back. She's back at She's it. She's back. She, What's she doing? She took a break after the disastrous events of Game of Thrones. And mm. she's kind of caught her breath and now she's back, Michael. And do you know what she said to herself? Do you know what? I'm not going to do shite anymore. I'm going to do hard-hitting speculative fiction. And she she and uh, Chichuel Efubor. Yeah, that's not even close, uh, but go on. Yeah, can you get it for me? You want to... Chewetel Ejiofer? Chewetel Ejiofer. Thank you very much. Sorry, Chewetel. I am an absolute coloniser and a bastard. I really am very sorry. But the pair- Remember when he was in love, actually? Yeah, it was mad, wasn't it? Back in the day. It was. And his, and his best mar- mate, Andrew Lincoln, wanted to take his wife from him. Yeah, that was very creepy. You should have stopped that. Do you think they kept being pals after he announced his love for her? Yeah, I think she kept it secret. That's, that's. I mean, both, both at fault. Both at fault. Yep. Not good. Yep. Not Only good. one innocent victim in that. And it was our boy Chewittle. Chewittle. Poor Chewittle. Alas, poor Chewittle. Kira, I bet Kieran Andrew ran off years later. I, I bet it happened. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, come here. Yeah, yeah. Come Who's here. It? Yeah, go on. Go come on. here. Go on. They're in a new thing called the Pod Generation, Michael. And it's a bit of a Black Mirror episode in itself. It's like a Black Mirror episode. It looks like a cheap Black Mirror episode, actually. I was surprised to find out this was a theatre film. It is a theatre film. It's got. It's got that... It, it's got a real Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy kind of film style to it, as in the technology's all very spherical and polished and, you know, a bit a bit, a bit bit Swedish designed. 
Yeah, a little bit IKEA. They live in IKEA world. Yeah, they live in IKEA world. That's that's what I was looking for. They live in IKEA yeah. world. But the the concept is basically, Michael, that we've we've basically made it possible for couples to have children without natural biological birth taking place. Yeah, yeah. They they, they or well, not even without natural biological birth taking place, but. Outside of the womb. Outside of the womb, yes. The the mother as a, a... Would you call it a host body, Michael? Or is that very insensitive? <laughs> well, I most certainly wouldn't. Okay. But you probably would. That's... Because uh, of your well-documented opinions on women. Yeah, see, I knew I'd get that wrong. So, uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, I was about to say something that get me in more trouble there, Michael. <laughs> but they've made it so that women can have it all, their career and a child, and they don't have to take a yeah. nine-month break in between. That's certainly the curve that they seem to be selling this on, Michael, or Benjamin. how they sell this technology. Yeah. Just a little quick question there. Do you think women take a nine-month break when they get pregnant? No, because I got that is wrong that why as well. You've, is that why you think you've never seen a pregnant Shit. woman? Shit. Because they, they have to go indoors for nine Fuck. months. We're really digging into Ben not understanding how women work this week, ladies Shit. and gentlemen. <laughs> go on, anyway. Fuck. <laughs> so Maybe I am just a big can, sodge. Maybe that's all I am, yeah, Michael. But, Maybe. That's what I've been saying. <laughs> you keep big, thinking I'm joking, I, but I'm no, being deadly serious. I think I might be a misogynist. Shit. That's, <laughs> that's devastating. That's devastating news for me. <laughs> so, Ben, yeah. they have the baby in a little pod, a little yeah. egg. Yeah. Yeah, a little egg. Yeah. Have you ever had an egg? Um, uh, do you mean a breakfast egg? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're great. They're great. Yeah. They can put them on anything. But, Ben, they have uh, their little egg and the man can carry it around. The woman can carry it around. You can take it with you when you're on your treadmill and you're doing your work business. Yeah. You just incubate it. And just incubates away yeah. over in the corner. Now, Ben, what's the big sci-fi conceit of this? The big sci-fi conceit of this is the, the mad stretch in technology it would take to actually do that. <laughs> yeah, but what's the repercussion of it? I don't see any repercussion. The repercussion of it, of it is, I, well, now, so this is interesting. I'm not sure what the political tone of the film is. Mm, so go on. this is where it gets kind of interesting because there's two ways we can interpret this, Michael. Number one, yeah. it's a satire of the notion of taking the biological parental element not not the biological element but the parental element out of the childbirth process okay and it's entertaining to look at it from that point of view or it's a parody of or an empower i guess not a parody but an empowerment of the idea that women are forced to choose between mm. having a child and their career now, I don't know how the film's going to handle that. I don't know if Amelia Clark is going to realise that she wanted to be a mother all along mm. and has now made a mistake. I don't know if it's going to debate whether or not you can be an effective parent without having biologically given birth to your child. Because there are tones of that in the trailer, Michael, and that has massive implications for things like adoption or surrogacy. Mm. Like when she walks into the glass with the egg. Yeah. It's like... Oh, whoopsie. Whoopsie daisy. Oh, I'm, so clum- oh, I'm so clumsy in English. Yeah. Oh, oh, God. It's me, Amelia Clark, and I've forgotten now how doors exist. Oh, big glass doors. Oh, oh. My big baby belly. It's big egg. It's big egg. Yeah, uh, that was weird. I think we should cut that out. But um, yeah, anyway, <laughs> it does have huge implications cl- if that's the tone they're going to take. If mm. that's the tone they're going to take, that's weird. Uh, however, mm, weird. I think it's probably just going to be a very gentle examination of what it takes to be a parent and that things are fine. It could also be a very strong critique of the commodification and commercialization of our culture. 
Mm, because be. it, yeah, yeah, it could be, it could be, or the egg babies could come out evil. I mean, I hope so. I hope so. That'd be good. Um, That'd be good. Because the, the mother says at one point, the, one of the mothers or a mother in the trailer says, my baby doesn't laugh. Is that what she says? My baby doesn't dream. My baby doesn't dream. That's horrific. That's not good. And the, yeah. And the woman says, well, that's normal. That's nothing to worry yeah, about. That and everyone that was like, Ugh. that was my favorite bit, Ben. Yeah. That was the only bit that really interested me. The, the prospect that the egg babies might be mean. Maybe they're horror babies. I'm hoping so. I mean, I'm hoping it turns post-apocalyptic. Oh, that'd be good, wouldn't it? The babies take over. The babies take yeah. over. Uh, Benjamin. Yeah. Speaking of, like, looking at a trailer and then doing a deep analysis of what the themes and tones and message might be. Yes. Nick Cage is in the retirement plan. <laughs> Michael, we're back with our favourite segment. <laughs> Nick Cage is the best thing ever. Get in the cage yeah. with Nick Cage. Get in the cage, you <laughs> Nick Cage. That's the best segment name you've ever come up with. Ben, I've seen this film already. It was called John Wick. It was called John Wick, but this is better because it's set in Florida and it's got Nick Cage. It was called No One. Nobody? Nobody, yeah. Yeah. It was called Nobody. Yeah. It was called... It's basically every every old star now has to do a I'm secretly an assassin in retirement. Yeah, but this one's got Ron Perlman, noted executive threatener, Ron Perlman. <laughs> you set fire to your house as soon as look at you. As soon as look at you, then you go off and do a movie with Nick Cage. Now, presumably, Ben, he did this before the strike. He did. Anything Anything we're seeing trailers for now, Michael, was created before a strike was even a glint in the Screen Actors Guild eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's that much to say about this. Oh, Michael, other than, get the fuck out of here. This is totally different from all the other revenge things because the fun fact of it is that Nick Cage is having fun while he's killing all these people. <laughs> That's the best part. So yeah. Uh, the, yeah. the, the old man revenge genre has skyrocketed, Michael. And I think you could chart it all the way back to old man Logan in the Marvel comics. I think we could go all the way back there and take a look at that and, and bring it forward. But we don't have to do that. It's No, hold on a second. Yeah. Does Taken not predate that? Oh, it does, actually. It starts with Taken. It's definitely a yeah, Neeson yeah. thing. You're absolutely yeah, yeah. spot yeah, yeah. on. The old man kicks ass trope is definitely a Northern Irish originating thing. Fantastic, Michael. <laughs> We're we're doing our PhD on that. We're doing our joint PhD on that. But come here okay. to me. The thing about it yes. is, is that very, very often when we pitch these films or when we see these films, tonally it's, oh God, I'm back in the game. And It's me, Saul Goodman. It's me, Saul Goodman. And I didn't want to do this, but I kind of did. Um, yeah. And then, I've got some friends who are also assassins. <laughs> we've seen that come out in a multitude of ways now, Michael. Uh, we've seen... Taken, we've seen Logan, yep. we've seen yep. John Wick. John Wick is yep. arguably the thing that propelled it even further forward. We've seen nobody. We, Jeff Bridges got a show on Fox called The Old Man. Yeah, Red. Red was there in between all that somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's a, yep. Red 2. Red 2 was in there somewhere, starring the now not so doing so well Bruce Bloody Willis. Uh, but mm. come here to me. The thing that I think sets this one apart, Michael, is Nick Cage is just very good at it and having a ton of fun. There looks to I like be... When he... Go on. No, no, you go on. There looks Sorry. to be not a single strained moment in that trailer for Nick Cage. Where he's just like, oh, I have to kill him. And I have to kill him. And I have to kill him. Have some syrup on your pancakes, baby. Yeah. I like when he chopped that man in the neck and then the man made the gurgling sounds and then he made fun of him. Yeah. Nick Cage definitely 
injured a stuntman and just made fun of them as they fell to the floor. That definitely happened. It looks gas, Ben. It looks gas and joyful. Almost the exact opposite of your favourite show of the week, Ahsoka. <laughs> Ahsoka looks so serious. My it's so serious and dour. It looks so dour. Um, yeah. And it, it appears to be, it appears to be they're Mary Suing their own Mary Sue. Yeah, so uh, Ahsoka's an interesting one. It, this is this is uh, this is where the Great Man theory falls down again because for a very long time the Messiah of Star Wars has been Dave Filoni and John Favreau and John Favreau, but largely Dave Filoni because whenever we talk about saving Star Wars, everybody mm. says just do Clone Wars. Dave Filoni got it right with Clone Wars, so Disney went okay, let's just do Clone Wars, and they got Dave Filoni in. They paired him with John Favreau, great director, great creative team. Put it all together, bada bing, bada boom, we've got ourselves a universe. Except then everybody went, Oh, I, I don't know if we need a universe. I don't mm. I don't know if that's what we were asking for. Just a few more Star Wars stories. They can be standalone things. For example, a bounty hunter who adopts a child in space. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was good though. But then that show just became what's going on in Star Wars. Yeah, that show has now become what's going on in Star Wars. Let's check in with all our favourite characters and introduce a few ones. No, no, I just want the Buckethead and the baby. Yeah, yeah, remember them. Even just the Buckethead fella. He could have got rid of the baby at the end of season one and had a completely different adventure. Just give me more Mandalorian. I just want more Pedro Pascal in space. Yeah, but what's going on? What's going on over here on this planet with Jack of Black? Yeah, oh yeah, Skip Jack of Black and Lizard. That's what we all wanted. That's what we all That's wanted. That's what we wanted. Was we wanted to know what was going on there. <laughs> it was a strangely flamboyant Jack Black, which seems like an oxymoron. But, you know, it, as, as far as it goes, Michael, now what we're getting is Dave Filoni taking his favourite characters, which are coincidentally the ones that he quite often created. Hmm. And he's now boosting them forward. So we're getting Ahsoka, Michael, which is building on Star Wars Rebels. This is essentially Star Wars Rebels, the live action series. Yes. Okay. Ahsoka was introduced to us in the Clone Wars as Anakin's apprentice. Mm, Padawan. Padawan. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, Padawan. And then throughout all of that, at the end of that, she renounces the Jedi Order and becomes what's known as a white force user. Um, or, oh, is it not grey? Uh, no, it's it depends on, on who you ask. Grey, white, okay. it, it's a little bit mixy-matchy in there somewhere. It's a, It could be a Legends thing, I'm not sure. Anyway, she becomes a yes. neutral Force user. She's not Sith, mm. she's not Jedi, she's something else. Okay? Fine. Grant. Whatever you're having Delicious. yourself. Yep. But then, we started to introduce all these characters. We're getting Rosario Dawson as her... A, a Jedi we've never heard of, Michael, <laughs> up until this. But it turns out that she's been there at every significant event. Luke Skywalker, she helped him set up the school. Yeah. Young Padawans, she helped find them all. Bloody... Who is it now? All the Jedis were killed in Order 66, except this one, 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 this one. The other 85 over there. Several thousand. Oh, boy. Boy, oh, boy. Um... Which actually makes more sense, Michael, because there's no way that a massive military strike like that would remove all the Jedi. But it's... Well, here's the problem, Ben. It just means that the first film doesn't make sense. It means A New Hope now doesn't make sense. It doesn't, no. Because he was the great hope for the universe, except for the other 6,000 Jedi that were not Literally gangs of them. Literally just gangs. Literally roving gangs. (laughs) Roving gangs of Jedi. Yeah. 
Going around in hiding, chopping people up. Just slicing them down, baby. Or people who are like Jedi adjacent, but just distant enough that you could justify saying, oh, you're the last Jedi, all right, and then doing a big wink. Yeah, that'd be good. I'd enjoy that. Um, But come here to me, the other thing that it kind of also ruins is, given the prolific nature of Jedi in the Star Wars universe, Din Djarin's lack of knowledge on Jedi doesn't make any sense. Absolute idiot. He keeps calling them space wizards. What are you talking about? They were the central point of an entire governmental intergalactic system. The like Jedi Council years ago. was the ruling... 20 years ago! It's not that 20 long! Years ago. <laughs> That's like the 90s, Ben. It's not even the 90s. It's, it's, it's the 2000s. That's like pretending you've never heard of the Spice Girls. Even if it's 40 years ago, Michael, it's like saying you didn't hear about World War Two. What's that? What's that? What's the Nazis? What's the Nazis? What are those? Yeah. Huh? Who are those? Who are those yeah. guys? What do you mean? What do you mean that the world I've came never... together and fought them? What's going on? I've never I've never heard of Duran Duran. <laughs> what do you mean her name was Rio? Doesn't make any sense, Michael. But anyway, we got the trailer for Ahsoka. Uh, the late Ray Stevenson is in it. It looks like they've introduced another Jedi Sith subclass. Yeah. Orange ones. Orange lightsabers this time. Those are kind of cool. In, in fairness, yeah, they, are they cool. were they were kind of cool. It's it seems like a big part of it is going to be look how cool Sabine is, which is fine, just fine. But that was all done already in a series called Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> oh, it, I haven't seen it. It exists. It's the follow on to the Clone Wars that we kind of got, and it was originally for kids because it premiered on Disney XD, which is you know for kids. But then naturally, Michael, because. Once upon a time, Star Wars fans were rabid for any kind of new Star Wars content. Yeah, now there's too much. Then they went and watched it, Michael, and then they turned it into their next kind of like, oh, we need more Rebels, and they they did that whole thing. So now we're getting live-action versions of Sabine, Harris and Dulla. Uh, I can't remember the name of the young Jedi in it, but he was in the new trailer as well. So basically what we got was, remember this character? Live action. Remember this character? Live action. Remember this character? Live action. Ezra. Ezra, thank you very much. He says he hasn't seen it, ladies and gentlemen. He says he hasn't seen it. The fucking fuck. But he definitely has. <laughs> he was in the time-travelling tree, Ben. <laughs> was that what it was? Yeah, remember he was like, oh, this tree is magic and it's time-travelling or whatever. What the fuck? What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, it was just weird shit. Ben! <laughs> speaking of things we have seen... <laughs> Michael, last week... Yeah. Yeah, go on. Go on. Michael's on acid. That's all I'm going to say. He's talking about a time-travelling tree over there, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Star Wars. Ben, last week or two weeks ago, was it last week or two weeks ago that we watched Mission Impossible Last week, Michael, we just didn't get enough sleep, so now we're just stuck in a limbo. So tired. Benjamin, one of the reasons we didn't get enough sleep is that we went to see Mission Impossible 7, Deep Reckoning. Yeah, again, you're you're mixing your browser history with your lived experience. Very good. Balls deep. Mission Impossible 7, balls deep, <laughs> I reckon. And I tell you what, it's fucking long. Yeah, oh, three hours of my life, Michael. Three it's, hours of my it's life. It's close enough. Three three hours and 48 minutes or something like that. It's also two different fucking films. Go on. Michael, the first half of that film is... What's your band's name? The director? What's his name? Mc, McQuarrie? McQuarrie. Yeah, McQuarrie. Yeah. That's McQuarrie doing Brian De Palma. For an hour and a half. Oh, yeah. And then it's, oh, yeah. and then it's Christopher McQuarrie doing Christopher McQuarrie for an hour and a half. 
It's two films. Two films. And the gas thing is, it's only part one, so there's going to be two more of them. There's, there's two more? Well, part two, I presume, will also be two films. Oh, good. Yeah, they're going to split it up again. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Having, ben. Yes. Let's talk about it. As we so often do when we're reviewing new films, we'll do a general review first with minimal spoilers, but we can't guarantee no spoilers. Okay. But, and then we'll talk more broad, more specifically about things. Okay. I thought it was great. I thought it was fucking great. The most enjoyable thing I've seen in the cinema in ages, Michael. The best cinema going experience I've been to in a while. Now, having said that, Ben, we did go with a whole little gang of friends. Yeah. And we got popcorn and we got Coke and we were in a crowded cinema of people who were enjoying the film. And there was a great atmosphere and it was great. But I think that's important to note, Michael. And I think it's fair to say that the entire cinema was enjoying it, Michael. It was just a good time. Yeah. As opposed to a few weeks ago when we went to see The Flash and it was just... Were you there? I was there, yeah. I was there. I don't even remember. I think there were just three of us in the screen. There were two other people and they were just groaning. We were in in therapy together after, do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, It was awful. It was awful. But this was great. And I tell you what, I really enjoyed it. Is it a perfect film? Absolutely not. The more time I've had to think about it, the dumber the plot becomes. I'm so silly, Michael. And the stupider people's decisions are, and the stupider people's decisions have to be in order for the plot to happen. I, yeah, we'll get into that. We'll get into that when we get to spoilers, yeah. because I have yeah, some yeah. interesting things to say on that, Michael. Uh, sure. I'll be the judge of that, Ben. There are also <laughs> a number of characters who you could entirely exercise, excise from the film, and not only would it not suffer, it would be better. Probably, yes. L- lots of that going on. Um But, great performances, great action. Yeah. uh, Incredible to see Hayley Atwell finally getting to do something good. She's never had the chance. She's never had the chance. Hollywood's most underutilised secret talent. Yeah. Um, And overall, a very good, very enjoyable film that is single-handedly going to save cinema. Probably not on that part, but... Excellent film. The best action film I've seen in a long time. Such set pieces, Michael. Such spycraft. Very enjoyable spycraft. It, it, Tom Cruise really proves that he is just, for the last stage of his career, he's going balls to the wall. He's going to try and bring the blockbuster back to its former glory. Top Gun 2, Mission Impossible 7, Part 1 and Part 2. Let's do it, baby! I think it's very bold of you to assume this is the last stage of Tom Cruise's career. Clint Eastwood is still making films. Yeah, but he's bad egg, Michael. Is he? Oh, he's a big Republican. Ah, oh, but that doesn't mean he's a bad egg, Ben. Mm. That just means he has different beliefs to you. Uh, well, you see, that's 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 my secret, Mick, is I genuinely believe that anyone who has different beliefs to me is a bad egg. Oh, yeah, like women. Ben, <laughs> um, <but laughs> it's great. Fuck. It's great. It's But like I said... Too long. Rubbish, some rubbish characters, some rubbish decisions, yeah. some real dumbassery. It's not a perfect film. You said it was the best action film you've seen in ages. I would argue it's not overall as good as Fallout. Uh, no, it's not as good as Fallout. Fallout is Fallout is a, a better film. Fallout's a tighter film with better baddies and I would argue better action. I th- What's wrong? I think Fallout's probably the best of the Mission Impossible series. I think it might be. Yeah. And it has Henry Cavill and he's reloading his guns. And it does do the dumbass thing of 
taking its final act off to some weird place to do a big showdown. Yeah. And, you know, you could get tired of that. You might. You might just. Very easily. Yeah. You might just get tired of that and go, oh, here we are. We're here for the next 45 minutes of explosions. Um, But very good. The best spy series currently going so much better than those last four or five absolute miserable experiences that were the James Bond films. Yeah, I mean, I think it's not comparable. Do you know what I mean? Like James Bond just has fallen off big time. But I think it's because... Wait, I think, we, I think we're probably going to have to go into spoilers here, Michael, for, for the next little bit. Um, okay, well, I recommend it, Ben. Yeah, so we're, we're going to do a little. We're going to do a little spoilers here. Should you choose to accept it, ladies and gentlemen, spoilers okay. from this point on. Just go down to the time timestamp down below to click to the next little part. Right. Good. Okay, you've all done that now. So, Michael, this is a movie in two different parts, but it's also a nod to every single Mission Impossible film that's come before. I think that the reason Mission Impossible is streets ahead of James Bond at this stage is because James Bond is obsessed with maintaining a tone that worked very, very well even three decades ago, whereas Mission Impossible has no issue taking classic spy tropes but also injecting a bit of big blockbuster energy in there for bigger action sequences and things like that. And I think that's what maybe pushes it a little bit further ahead. I don't think you've spoiled anything there, Ben. Um, let's talk spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk spoilers. Let's do ben. that. First of all, is the story just the Lord of the Rings? Yes. <laughs> yes, so, it is. Ben, the maddest thing that happens in this is that they're not fighting against a human. They're fighting against the entity. Yeah. And the entity is an AI yeah. that takes the appearance of a big eye. Yeah. Putting the eye into AI. And the AI is just Sauron. It knows what's going on. Yes. It's got fingers in all the pies. It can track everybody. And it's a big meanie. And it's chosen an emissary on Earth to do its bit. And, yeah. And the last thing it wants is someone to get the one ring and bring it back to Mordor. Yeah, that's that's no good anymore. That's no use to him. It wants no, the it emissary want to get the ring and bring it back so it can be more powerful. But it also yeah. doesn't want it to do that. For anybody else. And that's exactly. that's it, yeah. So we've got yeah. the cruciform key, Michael, is the MacGuffin of this one. Yeah, it's dumb as shit. It's as dumb as a big bag of shit, Michael. <laughs> it's dumb. But it's great because people can pickpocket it, they can lose it, they can mix it up, it can fall off a train, it can go underwater. It's a great MacGuffin. But that's, that's the whole point, Michael. See, that's the whole thing because if you're actually fighting an AI, you can't win. You can't physically scrap with an AI, Michael. So you have to come up with a well, physical representation of that that you can mm. then do very strange hand magic with. Yeah, yeah. But then they also got some physical baddies to fight. That's the most important part, Michael. An AI is just a machine program. And at the beginning, they almost scupper themselves because at the beginning, they're debating the kind of omnipotence or the omnipresence of the AI. That's kind of what they're talking about. And... They're just saying, like, it's already been into every security system on the planet. It's already infiltrated everything. It's like, oh, good. So there's nothing we can do. Yeah. And then it, there's nothing to worry about. Yeah. And then it turns out the AI is afraid of something. Mm, of Tom Cruise. Of Tom, specifically. of Tom Cruise specifically. So I guarantee you 
that this all plays into Tom Cruise's I'm going to save cinema because the enemy is literally AI against the creative yeah. process. And he's like, no, yeah, yeah. no, no AI, no. And he's just the AI is afraid, Benjamin, that it's going to be sued by the Church of Scientology for defamation. Fuck, defamation. I'm I'm going to do that again. I'm going to I'm going to do that again. I'm going to say it again because that was I made such a balls of saying that. I'm what I was saying then was (laughs) the AI is afraid that it's going to be sued by the Church of Scientology for defamation. So it has to throw Tom Cruise into a volcano. Yeah. So it's. It's pretty interesting from there, Michael. So I, you would know more about this than I do, but it introduces the yes. character of what is the nemesis of Tom Cruise's name? I, I, it is Gabriel. Gabriel. Yes. Sorry. So the biblical imagery abounds, Michael. Um, yes, in this. Go on. And did we ever see Gabriel before? Has Gabriel ever? No. no. Okay. So it's freshly introduced. So the big thing that it introduced here is. How did Ethan Hunt become a member of the IMF? Yeah, it's too late, Pep. It's too late. This has been going late. on. This has been going on for 30 years. It's disingenuous to bring this bullshit in now and go, what's Ethan Hunt's big secret? The the number one thing there, Michael, is a casual bit of fridging to kick it all off. They just introduced yeah. this woman. Whoop. Yeah. And she's dead. There's a woman. Oh, she's dead. He loves stabbing women, that guy. He does. He's all for He's all for the knives. They couldn't even make up their minds on whether he's a knife guy or a gun guy, but he's a knife guy because he's always got the blades. Yeah, it doesn't matter really if he's a knife guy or a gun guy. He just loves killing women. It's funny, Ben. There's yeah. a scene in it where he's like, oh, I'm going to kill this woman or I'm going to kill that woman because any woman who gets close to you ever gets killed. And then it shows a flashback of all the women in his life getting killed. But they obviously couldn't get Kerry Russell to sign off on the single most impactful female death in the history of the series yes isn't referenced not at all not even a little bit it's weird it's bizarre yeah it like it it only references the female deaths from the last two movies yes and anything that happened before that doesn't count no it doesn't count not real other than this mad fucking flashback to 30 years ago before he joined the IMF and it's so strange because the entire purpose of these two films is to do callbacks to the previous films like there's <laughs> yeah. a reason that the first half of that film is in Brian De Palma's Mission Impossible 1 style yeah yeah everyone's at jaunty angles everyone's at jaunty angles we're doing a lot of face tracking eye level height tracking yeah. there's a lot of closed yeah. rooms and quick conversations it's you know yeah. it, it is a Brian De Palma homage essentially for the first hour at, at the very least and then it kind of expands out of that as it goes but Michael you hit the nail on the head it is Lord of the Rings the, the massive stretch in this film is it's fucking pseudo-religious horseshit and it's it's a yeah yeah, go on. It, it, what I mean is that entire scene you referenced it. Gabriel comes to him and he says, um, "He says one of these women has to die. You have to choose." It doesn't make any sense. And then the fact that everyone's afraid of the AI. Tom Cruise looks Vanessa Kirby's character in the face, and he says, mm, "The White Widow." The White Widow, and he says, "Shoot him." Shoot him now. Yeah. And she goes, no, I can't do that because the AI will get me. Are these characters fucking thick? Like, what are they <laughs> on about? What do you mean the AI is going to get you? It's a fantasy film. It is. It's a fantasy That's what I mean. Film. You'd it- swear it was magic, but it's not. No, it is. It's a fantasy film wrapped up in sci-fi. Ben, can I tell you what I think is going to be the biggest spoiler of all? Go on, yeah. 
I reckon the AI is a person. It's just, it's one I, I, guy. It's Solomon Kane. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. It's, um, it's going to, well, I actually think, do you want, do you want a big, stupid, dumb theory? Take a swing for you, Michael. Go on. I'm going to take a swing at the biggest, stupidest, dumbest theory you could possibly imagine. I reckon it's Luther. You think it's Luther all along? I reckon it's Luther all along. <laughs> I think we're going to get a whole big scene where we see everything that happened and how Luther was there tapping away on his computer. That's not what I expect. I did not expect it to be Luther. I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, no, I know. I hope it is. Yeah, yeah. I, ho- I hope you have. I kind of hope it is I too. hope you've cracked it wide open. A year in advance. Ben. Yeah. Now, speaking of fridging. Yeah. Uh, a long-standing character in the franchise from the last film yeah does get fridged in this but thankfully she gets fridged as motivation for another female character rather than a male character I think that passes the Bechtel test <laughs> I think I, it does I don't know I don't know I'm not sure uh, it's funny Ben yeah. I would I would have said that uh, it's just so typical of Hollywood to kill a female character off and replace her with a younger slimmer model but Hayley Atwell is both older and heavier than Rebecca Ferguson yeah I mean I, th- I think that's just because she's built like a fucking American footballer. Like, she's jacked. <laughs> I don't know. Benjamin, you'll be careful, because Hayley Atwell will come over here and kick the shit oh, no, out no. of you. And she's more than welcome to. I would be totally into that. Like, Hayley, come on down. We're good. That's Get fine. Over Get over here. Like, you, bring it on. You can't do it until after the Screen Actors <laughs> Strike. It, but uh, I mean, technically it's promotional work. Technically it's a live appearance, yeah. so it can't happen. Mm. But second the SAG strike's over, Hayley... Yeah. Give me a call. Um, but look, that's... That's your fetish. It's, yep. it's so interesting, Michael, right? That Because Rebecca Ferguson is a turning point for this entire franchise. Oh. But she is. Rebecca Ferguson is a hugely beneficial addition. She is an equal to Tom Cruise uh, or Ethan Hunt and is a very capable spy in her own right. And mm. they do this fun kind of weird tango thing they do. It evolves into a friendship in its own way. It's, it's She's a very important character for that franchise. And I really thought she might have been killed in the penultimate act um, before the screen goes blank. Do you know what I mean? But no, they they remove that character quite early on. Mm, about the halfway point. About the halfway point. Just to motivate Hayley Atwell's character. Mm. And that was fucking weird. It was weird, but uh, Hayley Atwell was the breakout star of this for me. I think the the two best performances were from Hayley Atwell and Vanessa Kirby. Uh, yes, Vanessa Kirby as Hayley Atwell as Vanessa Kirby. Uh, yes, one of the best someone as someone as someone scenes. The best one I've seen on screen since Helena Bonham Carter as Emma Watson as... Yeah. Hermione as Beatrice Lestrange um, the best one of those since that it was really really good um, and kudos to Vanessa Kirby for it but Hayley Atwell just seemed to be having a great time yeah she was really enjoying she's an ex of Tom Cruise they used to date Michael yeah 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 Matt yeah, 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 yeah. Matt yeah yeah, yeah 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 anyway yes having a great time having a whale of a time Michael some great performances throughout I have to say I really enjoyed it as a film the one scene that burned itself into my mind that has nothing to do with the rest of the film is near the end where Ethan Hunt has managed to pickpocket the cruciform key off Gabriel and Gabriel is riding away in a truck 
And he goes, <laughs> Ethan! Ethan! <laughs> I was sitting there going, what film does this man think he's in? It was gas. It was like, it was one of the funniest breaking of tensions and most inappropriate screams since Darth Vader's famous, No! <laughs> it was hilarious. It was really bad. Ben, the characters I were complaining about that had no business in the film were the two South Park FBI agents oh, who were chasing around after them. What was that so point of them? They're they're just a plot device to ramp up tension. That's that's all they are. Yeah. They're a, they're a quick, easy visual cue that oh shit, shit just hit the fan. And the, what's worse, the worst thing about it is that guy, that very guy, plays that very character in the Fast and Furious film. He does it in everything. That's his character. He owns the rights to that. If you need a semi-competent FBI guy chasing after you. Yeah, that's the guy. Ever since Bill Paxman died. it's Yeah, the loss of Bill Paxman was a loss to the FBI cosplay community. I won't lie. Um, (laughs) But come here, Michael. It's so interesting that you brought up Fast and Furious there. Because I really feel that Mission Impossible is now the film that Fast and Furious thinks it is. (laughs) Yes. Because I think there's a really solid message in... Mission Impossible, and that is that Ethan Hunt has built himself a strange family. Um, mm-hmm. And you do, I don't know if it's just star appeal, and I'm loath to support Tom Cruise in any form, but he still has that leading man charisma that makes you believe. Like, when he promises somebody something on screen, you go, yeah, Ethan's going to deliver. Ethan, Ethan won't mm-hmm. let you down. I think as... as- unpleasant as tom cruise's personal beliefs might be it's good for cinema for filmmaking it's probably good for having a big screen hero that his ego won't let him be supplanted in his own movie yeah i mean there's there's a little bit of that but here's the interesting thing tom cruise is so we've seen that before, Michael. And again, it's a Fast and Furious comparison. Vin Diesel and The Rock have that in their contract. They're not allowed to lose. Ethan Hunt loses plenty, but Ethan yeah, Hunt yeah. doesn't lose ultimately. And that's the difference. And I actually think it's a little bit different from Okay. That. I think it's that Tom Cruise will not humiliate his characters to push someone else to to big up another character. Yeah, okay. So, you know, Ethan Hunt is the star of Mission Impossible. Yeah. It's great that we introduced this new character, Grace, mm-hmm. and she was great, mm-hmm. but she's not going to be better than him. Yeah, okay. There's none of that. Yeah. You, you know what I there's mean? No, there's it, no Worf like, syndrome, is what you're saying. There's no Worf syndrome. There's no, I mean, one of the really obvious examples is Star-Lord. Like, yeah. Star-Lord... When he was introduced, he was a, a dumbass, but super competent. Yeah. But then by the second movie and the Avengers movie, he was a complete and utter useless idiot. He's just a tool. Yeah. And he's just an absolute tool. And then redeemed a little bit um, in the last one. Mm. But with Tom Cruise, it's like, no, I'm the star of this. And my character is the cool guy. People are here to see me being a cool guy. And losing, losing fights and failing to do things and like people I love dying... But it's about me. It's, it's, a, about, it's, Ethan a, it's about Ethan Hunt. It always was. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And whatever your personal views on Tom Cruise are, and mine are not great, um, in cinema it works. Yeah, yeah. 
it's it's a good old fashioned leading man formula, and it goes pretty damn well. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think it's important as the man. I think it's important that you have a leading character. Okay, leading character. Okay, who I think it, I think probably a lot of this is that Tom Cruise has a death grip on the writers' room of that movie. Yeah, yeah. So no one is telling him what's going to happen, and if if it doesn't get a sign off from this guy who is a legitimate lasting charismatic movie star it's not going in the movie i i think the other thing that is so interesting is he's so dedicated to the old-fashioned craft of the action movie I, mm. I i've been getting a lot of promotional material for mission impossible dead reckoning and do you know what they're doing they're just doing behind the scenes on the stunts that he's done because he, do, yeah. he still does all his own stunts and it's so interesting because it's so unique among marketing material these days. You couldn't do a behind-the-scenes marketing stunt on any platform because what you'd have is an actor jumping in front of a blue screen onto a mat. Yeah. And it's not entertaining. No matter what way... There, there was a point maybe 10 years ago where showing us the giant wraparound digital screen that actors stood in front of to get their kind of eerie spacescape shots and stuff like that would have been like whoa look at that technology that's so different but today yeah, cool and novel yeah but today it's so ubiquitous that we just go oh okay yeah i mean i assume it's all cgi anyway isn't it all cgi mm. it's all cgi but not with this because then you watch it and you did what they do is it's so interesting they take kind of a jackass formula because what it is, is they film the reactions of the other film stars. So the one that I've seen most recently is Simon Pegg talking the other co-stars through how to deal with Tom Cruise doing one of his stunts. And, <laughs> and the, the stunt is, it's not a bit, it's them standing, it's the cliff stunt where he drives the bike off the mm. cliff to parachute down to the to the thing. Yeah, so... It's them standing on the cliff as Tom Cruise is about to go up the massive fuck-off ramp. And he's going, just don't look, just don't look, just don't look at it. Just close your eyes. I, every time, I can't breathe. <laughs> and it's just them filming like... Um, uh, I'm going to get her name wrong. Uh, Hayley Atwell. Hayley Atwell, Clem Pimentioff, is that it? Clem, yeah, close enough. Uh, Palm Clementioff. Palm Clementioff. Reverse I reversed the... That's weird. Palm Clementioff going... <laughs> and it's so entertaining to watch. It's just mm. a joy to watch. But it's it's that dedication to an old school movie experience that I think really sometimes carries it through. Yes. Speaking, Ben, of old school movie experiences. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it incredible that this is the first Barbie movie we've ever got? Well, I mean, it's not the first Barbie movie we've ever got. It's arguably the first live action Barbie movie we've ever gotten, Michael. Well done, you. What a segue, Thank Michael. You. What Thank you. Thank you very a much. segue. So this this very weekend coming, ladies and gentlemen, this episode is being recorded on the 17th of July, 2023. Little glimpse behind the curtain there. Little glimpse behind the curtain. And if you were to stick around for approximately four days, ladies and gentlemen, you'd find yourself coming head to head with Barbenheimer, the opening weekend of the Barbie and Oppenheimer films. Now, only history mm. will tell us if they were successful or not. But right now, the hype is real. It looks like they're going to be successful. It looks like they're going to team up with Mission Impossible and save cinema. Yeah, it'll be the three of them. It'll be a three a three-way saving cinema club. Oh. With Tom Cruise, the historical figure Robert Oppenheimer and Barbie. Yep, yeah, that's it. That's exactly what we're doing. That's exactly what we're doing. So, 
<laughs> we decided we'd take a little bit of a look at the cultural history and pop culture presence of Barbie through the ages. Now, go on. Barbie is the, I guess, I guess you call it the paragon of the children's toy line for girls. Yes. Yeah. 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 For sure. It's it's hard when you say toys for girls. Be it a sexist statement or not, the first thing that will probably pop into your head is Barbie. And yep. that made its launch all the way back in 1959, Michael. That's a long time ago. Is it made of onions? It was made of onions. It was carved out of onions by small children in the USSR. And then it was shipped over here <laughs> in crates, painted pink and given to young American girls. Oh, very good. Yeah, that's. A- I think that's a Simpsons joke. Uh, probably. I mean, at this point, they've infected all of us. So, I mean, it's entirely possible. <laughs> but, Michael, did you know that Barbie has has a has a full name? Yes, Barbara. Barbara Millicent Roberts. Yeah, yeah, Barbara Millicent Roberts, BMC. DMC. That's not BMC. It's not DMC at all. DM- BMR. <laughs> yeah. So, they were co-founded by Ruth Handler and her husband, Elliot, Um and it was it was the first toy doll in the US that wasn't a child. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems it seems so ubiquitous now to have like adult fashion dolls, but this was invented. That it. was the first one, the first one. Mm. Um, and it's it's pretty interesting what it's gone on to do from there. So it was actually stolen from a German doll named Bild Lily. Uh, And I definitely pronounced that wrong because I'm not very good at German pronunciation. But it was, it it has a kind of bizarre history. The Bill Lilly doll was a racy gag gift for men in tobacco shops in Germany. Oh, very good. Oh uh, my God, look at this doll. It's so sexy, yeah? Look at this little dollenfrau. It's very strange. Um, Look at this little frau with her little boobenhaltens. So Ruth Hander came up with this... Oh, God. So Ruth Handler noticed a gap in the children's market and then found one of these, I think, on holiday or so the story goes and was like, this would be great for kids. Um, Mm. So she went to Mattel, pitched to Mattel. Mattel bought the rights to this Build Lily doll and then shut down the racy kind of gifts for children kind of thing or gifts for adults thing and just turned it into Barbie. Um, And Barbie is... I suppose an aspirational doll. She was designed. Is she? But she's she was designed with jobs in mind. Michael Barbie is the the adult woman with any career a girl could want. That's housewife. Uh, housewife is not a career, but we'll get into that in a second. Oh, um, <laughs> again, you could get me in so much trouble. I oh, fucking hate you. <laughs> oh, even fewer women are going to listen to this episode than usual. Oh. My mom's gonna come for you, Ben. She's gonna absolutely upend you. She's gonna romp problem in me. Okay. Have you ever seen my mom? My mom would kick the shit out of Haley Atwell. Uh, that's pretty. You're in deep trouble. Explains a lot about you. Um... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> she's had more than 250 careers in her life. Housewife, oh, probably wow. being one like of like a them. millennial, like a millennial, Michael. The gig economy. Um, but yeah, so. A pretty phenomenal kind of thing. And she's she's popped in all over the place, Michael. She's still popular to this day. It never goes away. We are all massive Barbie fans and we will be forever. Barbie has popped up in a number of different incarnations. But where it got really interesting, Michael, is when they began to expand 
the line. So Barbie was oh. pretty popular. You bought her little costume. You bought, you know, the Barbie dream house. And, but then, mm. Michael, the Barbie universe was expanded. Oh, my God. The Barbie extended universe. Yeah. And then we got characters like Ken, Midge and Skipper. Oh, I know who they are. Go on. Well, Ken's her male friend. Ken's her male friend. Was Ken was her brother originally, wasn't he? Uh, it, it, it has been lost to the annals of time, but yes, I think it was. Yeah, creepy. And are Skipper and Midge her younger sisters? Midge is her best pal. Oh. And Skipper Midge. is the younger sister. Ah, I see. So Midge actually features in the Barbie movie, Michael. We talked about that a little bit before, if you remember. And, Who's playing Midge? Uh, I will get the name because we've, we've had this exact thing before. But Midge okay. was also the pregnant Barbie, Michael. Oh, uh, really? Bar- that wasn't Barbie? Yeah, because they couldn't do it with Barbie originally. Um, and it was it was very, very interesting when that happened. So it is played by Ashlyn Madden. Ashley Madden. Ashlyn Madden. Yeah, Ashley who's a musical yeah. artist, apparently, but she's in the film, anyway. And it's played by her. But uh, Ken has gone through some pretty interesting iterations as well, Michael. Go on. Um, so, uh, Ken has gone through everything from Superstar Ken uh, in the Disco Hero. Uh, and then, the, the the most recent controversy around Ken was there was Earring Magic Ken. Uh, oh, was that some sort of representation of gay fellas? In the 90s, Earring Magic Ken came to prominence, which was controversially perceived as the first gay Ken. Yeah. Yeah, Ben, you, you weren't really around in the 90s, so not really. you don't know how important earrings were for telling whether someone was gay or not in the oh, 90s. Oh, was it a big thing, was it? <laughs> it was the thing, Ben. That was how you knew if someone was gay or not. Not whether they were having sex with people from the same gender, but what sort of earrings and where they were wearing them. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Earrings were massive. Massive. Mahoosive. Um, so that, that universe kept being expanded, Michael. Ken came out in 1961. Oh, he, so he is gay. Uh, <laughs> very clever, Michael. Very well done. Very okay. well done. Uh, he came out in 1961, Michael. And then after that, there were a few new ones brought, but the most notable one that was only brought out very recently, relatively speaking, in 1980, Michael, was the first black Barbie doll. Oh, what's her name? Uh, fantastically, I don't have that written down. Fabulous, great notes. Probably Barbie. I I don't know. I give up. I'm, do you know what, ladies and gentlemen? I'm just, I'm done. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, I am a misogynist. I'm just a fucking relentless cunt. Uh, <laughs> just absolute female face blindness. It's just a real affliction. Oh, God damn it. I, so yeah, so Black Christy, Barbie came along in the 80s. Christy. Her name was Christy. That seems a bit, Christy a bit on the nose. came out in the 80s. And Christy... Um, was also brought in with the wave of changing Barbie's body image. So this is where the major criticism of the effect that Barbie could have on body image came from in the 1980s. This is where the full impact of this is an unrealistic body proportion. These are predominantly white and blonde. You know, there was a lot of focus on the societal warping of body standards and the effect that a Barbie could have on the mental health of children came in. Hmm. Well, it's lucky that they've cast average woman Margot Robbie. Yeah, bog standard. You meet her going down to Tesco. Bog standard woman of average size. No worries there. So yeah. very realistic uh, proportions to achieve for a normal Yeah, person. anyone could look like Margot Robbie. 
Anyone can look like Margot Robbie. That's what we're saying on this podcast. Yeah, if I have a bit of a shave and get a wig, you just you just look at Margot yeah. Robbie. That's all that's happening. Yeah, yeah. Go a bit of a run. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying that. Margot Robbie's pretty thin. <laughs> It's not specifically aimed at you. Prick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <it's> very good. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Yes. I'm going to cry about that after the podcast. So, <laughs> remember, Ben. Yes. Remember our our podcast our podcast slogan. It's not bullying if it's funny. It's not bullying if it's funny, and thank God that was. Yeah. But in terms of other media, Michael, that criticism all came when she was a toy. In terms of other media, we actually only saw Barbie on screen for the first time in 2001, which seems ludicrously late in the game. Yeah, it does, actually. That was her first appearance on screen as an animated character. That was in Barbie and the Nutcracker. Was Barbie not in Toy Story? She was, but it wasn't until much, much later. Barbie wasn't in Toy Story until Toy Story... Two? Three? I don't know. I thought she was in two. Was she maybe in two? It was generic. I I don't called? think they could get the rights just then. To okay. I think it was a Barbie esque character. All right, but I, okay. it may not have been. It may not have been Barbie. In in fairness, the the notion of corporate synergy to that level probably wasn't there in Toy Story two. It was definitely there by Toy Story four because it's very oh, much yeah, Ken sure. and Barbie. In the mm. thing, and that's that's what it's called. So um, she's been in lots of popular TV shows and movies. She was a character in the Toy Story film series. Um, there have been video games about Barbie for some bizarre reason. There's lots of them that come out. There's uh, Fashion Barbie, Dress Your Barbie, Pet Car Barbie. There are lots of different kind of ones. But probably the most significant thing, and probably didn't help the, the gay speculation, Michael, was the absolute club anthem. <laughs> Um, by Aqua in the 1990s which was Barbie Girl um, absolute banger absolute banger Michael and it's bound to be in the movie I think we've already seen it coming out again in the movie but Barbie has been this massive cultural force Michael um, and it looks to be holding strong because the hype for the upcoming movie is insane Look, I think we'll go see it. I think we will. I think we're going to have to, Michael. If anything, just to put down the rumours that I'm a dirty, dirty misogynist. <laughs> ben, uh, Barbie is in Toy Story 2. Uh, is it? Cameo. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get out of town. Well, that's me proved yeah, wrong, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Ben, can I ask you a question? Yeah. You've been referring to Barbie as it throughout this entire uh, thing. Is that on purpose? Uh, no, I just look at it as a toy. So I guess... That's very probably interesting how I that you're saying it rather than she. I probably should say she. I probably will have to say she after the movie. Oh yeah, that's very interesting. Well, I am a misogynist, so, you know. No, I think it's. I think this is anti-misogynism. Go on. Well, as you're using a gender-neutral term, not a particularly friendly term. But no, it's not great. A gentle ne- it's not great. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it is a toy, though. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, there's, there's, that's, but you see, I've done so much research on it as a toy, I guess my brain is just like, it. <laughs> Toy yeah. object. It's very interesting, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I think I think many people in the world. I, I think there's probably a play on that in the film coming as well, Michael. Because we see Will Ferrell seems to be a little bit too obsessed with Barbie, and that's mm. very much she, her, you know, that kind of thing. Because Barbie is such a 
an all-encompassing concept at this point, but it's very interesting. Um, the the cultural effect. I don't think you could replicate. You'll you'll clip my wings on this very very quickly. But I think as far as a toy's impact on culture, you'd be hard pressed to find another one similar. Oh, Lego. Mm. You don't see Lego on the cover of Vogue. No, but you do see Lego. Lego got two massive movies. That's true. And Lego is like a ubiquitous part of childhood. Yeah. Ubiquitous. It's one of those core like, ones, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And like massively successful. And I mean, a lot of toys have made very successful leaps into movie franchises for good or for ill. Transformers is a on its own a billion dollar industry. Yeah, bloody... To our internal shame. To our eternal shame as a culture, as a species. Yeah, but I mean, Barbie, Lego, Transformers, I think that's really, like, uh, you could argue that the the Barbie for boys is G.I. Joe. I would have said Action Man, but I don't know how prolific Action Man was. Well, Action Man and G.I. Joe are intrinsically linked. They, They stem from the same source. Do they? Um, that's probably the reason that Barbie is so internationally known that Barbie for whatever reason was distributed internationally a singular brand a singular brand as opposed to Action Man Action Force G.I. Joe where G.I. Joe was very popular in America Action Man was more popular in Europe I think and Mm. um, you know it it diluted the message a little bit but I still think G.I. Joe would be the equivalent of Barbie for boys toys but then surplanted by Transformers in terms of there aren't... Well, I suppose there were a couple of reasonably successful G.I. Joe films. Uh, G.I. Joe got weird. Finan- G- fi- financially successful, if not... Yeah, if uh, not critically. significant. Yeah. yeah. I just remember G.I. I just remember the difference between G.I. Joe 1 and G.I. Joe 2 is at the start of G.I. Joe 2, they kill all the characters from G.I. Joe 1. Yeah. Including old Channing Tate. Including old Channing Tate's. Ladies and gentlemen, who would you kill off in a franchise to no <laughs> avail? Who would you who would you remove from a favourite franchise of yours? You can get in touch with us in a few different ways. You can find us on the interwebs at www.shomrabeog.com. S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means tiny room in Irish. You can find us on Instagram at and Podcast. It means you're listening in English, though, this time. It, it, it sure does. Uh, you can find us on TikTok at the same, Sherlock sure Listen podcast. Uh, yeah, you won't find me. You won't. I, I am, though, and you'll find us there on the old I'm over 40. Ticky Talkies. Uh, we're doing all right in TikTok, Muggle. Doing all right well, that's in TikTok. I'm not there. It's, yeah, I think that's usually the secret to success. Um, but the best <laughs> way to get in touch with us, Michael, <laughs> that's you get for calling me a misogynist. Um, <laughs> the secret to all success, ladies and gentlemen, and communication with us is to hop up on that Discord, baby. Hop up on it there. We're going to be talking about Mission Impossible. That's all we ever talk about, Mission Impossible. That's a little secret to the Discord. It's just a Mission Impossible fan cage. With occasional Nick Cage. I mixed up my joke there. I tried. I tried. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very tired. Bye-bye. See you next week. We're talking about something else. What is it? Don't remember. Don't remember. Hold on. I'll check. I'll check for you. Oh, don't. I'll check oh, for you. I have it here. Hang on. Hang on. I'll check for you. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, this is top class. Oh, Twisted twisted Metal. Twisted Metal. Oh, cool. We're doing a Twisted Metal, metal lore dive. That's what we're doing. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet as. That's what we're okay. doing. See you then. All right. Bye-bye. Adios.